right, so uh, good morning again, everybody. Uh, and let's see, Carolyn, we're going to let you be a little bit socially distant. Yep. Is that okay? <laughs> but perfect. up this way, a little bit more. All right, fantastic. So I'm not going to be socially distant with my wife. I apologize. If that offends you, <laughs> you really need to get some help. So, so, uh, so I'm going to sit close to my wife. We, by the way, we do sit next to each other at home too, on the couch and stuff. So, that is is something that we do. Uh, so uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different, and uh, we're going to look at. First uh, Timothy chapter two verses eight through ten. If you have an NIV Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to it. If you don't have an NIV Bible, open up the one you have. I'm just preaching, or not preaching really today, but more speaking from uh, the First uh, Timothy two eight through ten in the NIV Bible. And not that that's substantially different from other Bibles, but the sometimes people kind of get uh, if if you're reading a different translation, you can kind of get lost. So, uh, so real quick, when I was a boy growing up, I told you about Rocharga Padaiti, one of my heroes, uh, just a few minutes ago, and he was a good hero to have. He was a very good hero to have. He was a great person to model my life after. So I had one great model, Rocharga Padaiti, for as a model for my life. But as I got a little older, I started using different models. Okay, I started using different models of what manhood is supposed to look like. So in my mind, uh, a real man was supposed to be strong. He was supposed to be tough. And I put it in my notes as suave, but really what we're talking about, a ladies' man, okay? That was what defined manhood for me as a young man. So I felt like he had to be strong, like Larry Zonka. And if you're, you know, my age, you know Larry Zonka, powerful fullback for the Miami Dolphins, and when he would hit people, he would knock two or three of them out and knock himself out at the same time. He was just that kind of a guy, really powerful. So I thought, you've got to be strong like Larry Zonka, okay? Number two, you've got to be tough. You've got to be tough. You've got to be tough like Clint Eastwood, all right? You've just got to be tough, uh, you know, like High Plains Drifter, you know, Dirty Harry, whatever. Uh, but you've got to be tough. And then third, you've got to be suave. I'll, I'll change it to suave so as not to offend any women. You've got to be suave like... I don't know, James Bond. So if we were going to use more contemporary analogies, we might say strong like Dwayne Johnson. We might say uh, tough like Conor McGregor. And we might say suave like James Bond. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was kind of my idea of what an ideal man was supposed to be. Now, this was not the teaching of my family. It was not the teaching of my church. It was what my culture was training me to think by everything I watched and everything I saw, and by other people my age living around me. It became kind of our pan paradigm. On the other hand, our paradigm for the ideal woman. Now remember, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. So who was, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to use the word hot, but that's what the word that's used. So who was hot? Who was the ideal woman in the 70s? Probably Fair Fawcett Majors, I don't know, uh, but someone like that. In, in every decade, it's someone new and it's someone different. I don't know who the ideal woman would be today. I'll just tell you my ideal woman is my wife, okay? That's what I'll tell you. She is my ideal, and, and uh, I can say this with the utmost honesty. I can say this with the utmost honesty. It's really fascinating. I have a, 
I have a commentary on 1 Timothy, and uh, on the text we're looking at today, in that commentary, I had read it a while back, I, I don't remember when, maybe a couple years ago, whatever, and I had written Joy's name beside this text. Uh, so she was my ideal then. She was my ideal when we got married almost 30 years ago. She's my ideal now. So uh, let me read for us. In our world, there are a lot of competing visions for manhood. There are a lot of different ways to define beauty in women. And quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I think the way the world defines beauty is incredibly narrow very unholy, very unhealthy. Because what we do is we create outsiders. And I just think the world is very unfair with men and with women. And we need a better vision for manhood and a better vision for womanhood. And that's what our text addresses today. So let me just read for you 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And uh, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus a little bit on speaking to the men with regards to verse 8. And then I've asked uh, Joyce put together a lot of work on verses 9 and 10. Carolyn has done some work on this as well. I think Carolyn has a wonderful story to tell uh, with regards to this as well. So hopefully this will all kind of weave itself together. And if it doesn't, just give us, you know, I don't know, give us grace or something, all right? (laughs) Is it okay to ask for grace in the church? I hope so. All right, so let's read the text. 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is the Word of God, okay? This is the Word of God. These are not the mere opinions of a man. So when I quote this as being from the Apostle Paul, Mm -hmm. understand this. No prophecy of Scripture was given by human will. It was only given by God through men moved by the Holy Spirit. These words were written by the command of God our Savior and our hope, Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I want us to recognize this is the Word of God through Paul to Timothy and the Ephesians, because that's where he was doing ministry, and to us today. And so the Word of God says this, Therefore, I want the men everywhere. Men, are you listening? I hope so. Because this means you, right now, today. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with the deeds appropriate uh, for women who profess to, uh, to, to worship God. Just realized my notes are kind of in the way of your notes. Sorry about that. Uh, in this text, Paul addresses two major issues. Okay? He addresses one with regard to men, one with regard to women. With regard to men, Paul addresses uh, the matter of prayer uh, and anger. And with regards to women, he, uh, he addresses matters of modesty and dress. And so I want to begin by addressing the men. And let me just read for you verse 8 again. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, says this, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. Can I just pull it right here for a moment? I apologize. We're, we're going to figure out how to do this because uh, we're doing this a little bit differently from the way we typically do it. So I'm out of sync. So with regards to, uh, let me just read first the scripture again for, for men. 
uh, verse 8. It says, Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So why does Paul make a point to speak to men with regard to prayer, holiness, anger, and quarreling? And, uh, and so let's just pause here for a moment. Let me go outside of what is prepared to preach and teach. Is this okay with you? Is it okay if I'm vulnerable? Is it okay for me to confess, I am a man struggling today with anger? Mm -hmm. Not, I used to struggle a long time ago, then I became a Christian when I was four years old. You know, and I haven't struggled with this since then, all right? Can I just say that today I am a man who has struggled with anger and I'm struggling today? And and can I just be honest with you, a little bit raw, about where I'm at as I'm trying to talk with you about this text? Because I spent a lot of time reading and praying and trying to get ready a long time ago. And so yesterday morning I woke up and I was reading back through and and just kind of reciting and praying through the Lord's Prayer again. And when I got to the part about, you know, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us, I just asked God to search my heart my mind. I asked God, you know, where, you know, like in the last 24 hours, what have I been dealing with? Where have I been falling, falling short? In that moment, I honestly couldn't think of anything. Now, you, you need a little bit more backstory. You need a little bit more backstory. This last week, my mom turned 85. She turned 85. My sister took off some time uh, for vacation so that they could spend the whole week together. Uh, what they didn't know is one of their friends who was going to spend the day with them had gone to spend two days with her in-laws, both of whom were sick, both of whom were showing signs of COVID. Um, she never occurred, it never occurred to her, and I don't understand how, but it never occurred to her it might be COVID. It never occurred to her that being with them and then going and spending hours with my mom and sis- my sister and two other women without wearing a mask and without pro- uh, practicing safe distancing, that, they, that she might possibly expose my mom and my sister. This is what you need to understand real quickly from my perspective. To understand a little bit of my frustration, irritation, aggravation, yes, anger. Okay? See, my mom is 85 years old. That means she's at risk. She's at risk. My sister is 64 years old. And my sister has been an asthmatic all of her life. Uh, she spent a lot of time going to the hospital as a little girl. When her asthma, she would get pneumonia with it. Um, Routinely, when my sister gets a cold, it becomes bronchitis, and it is extremely painful to breathe. This is not something that used to happen a long time ago. This is something that happens to my sister now. Yesterday, as I was trying to pray, all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelming sense of anger. I mean, I got there in a hurry. I got mad all over again. And then uh, I got the news that she, in fact, does have COVID. And that my mom is showing symptoms of COVID. And the two other women that were with this person are also showing symptoms of COVID. So I'm talking to you about prayer when I'm finding prayer difficult. And I'm talking to you about anger when I'm finding anger difficult. I'm not talking to you as one who's got it all figured out and all you know, I'm living my life perfectly. That's just not where I'm at. That's not who I am. So as I was looking back at this text, 
And as I was praying and meditating on it, uh, this is what I felt like God was wanting me to talk to you about. Remember that Paul uh, is an apostle by the command of God, uh, and he is writing to Timothy, who is in the city of Ephesus. And he's writing with the intent that Timothy read this, but that Timothy include the, the church in Ephesus in this, because he's addressing very specific issues in the church in Ephesus. By the way, if you want to better know how to understand the book of 1 Timothy, I would say read also the books of Acts where it talks about Ephesus and the church being founded there and also read the book of what? Ephesians. It was written to the same people. So I went back and I read through the book of Ephesians again yesterday and I read what, what does Paul say to the people Because see, here, what Paul says to the Ephesian men is he says, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. And I begin to wonder, has he ever had to address the men in Ephesus before about either anger or about prayer? And this is what I read. In Ephesians 4, the Bible says this, In your anger, do not sin. By the way, There are some people who are Christians who think that all anger is bad and to admit to anger is uh, is bad. I would say anybody who doesn't admit to anger is either they don't have a pulse or they have a very uh, uh, immature way of understanding emotion. See, emotion is a feeling. Emotion is a feeling. It's not necessarily bad to feel anger. In your anger, do not sin. Now, the thing is, is when we react with the emotion, when we allow the emotion to consume us, that's unhealthy and that's unholy. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So we need to, and, and then, uh, and do not give the devil a foothold. And then later in that same chapter, Paul writes this, get rid of of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So let me just real quick, and then I want to turn it over to Joy and Carolyn, a few thoughts about anger. Number one, God does not want us to sin in our anger. So anger in and of itself is not necessarily sin. But God does not want us to sin in our anger. Anger is a natural response to perceived threats. It causes your body, it causes your body to release adrenaline. Did you know that? I feel some adrenaline right now. It causes your body to re, uh, uh, release adrenaline, your muscles to tighten, and your heart rate and blood pressure to increase. By the way, I got this from the Mayo Clinic. I also got this by observing my own anatomy, okay? This is what I do. And the thing is, is that when I'm feeling anger, God does not want me to sin in my anger. He wants me. Sometimes what I need to do is I need to take a deep breath. And then I need to take another and another. And then I need to hyperventilate, okay? But I need to take a deep breath, and I need to try to intentionally tell myself, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Faithy, would you tell me it's going to be okay? I asked her to tell me this last week, okay? So um, it's going to be okay. Uh, God does not want us to sin our anger. Number two, God wants us to deal with our anger in a timely way. This says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. That doesn't mean that if you're angry at, what, what time is 
is uh, sunset tonight. I think it's like 6.15 or something. That doesn't mean if you're, you become angry at 6.14, if you don't get it taken care of in 60 seconds that you're in trouble, okay? And it doesn't mean if you're angry right now, you get to wait. Well, good thing. I don't have to wait till 6.15 to deal with it. It's not like that. It's not like if you live north of the Arctic Circle, you can say, fine, I'll deal with my anger in August because that's when the sun sets, all right? Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. But what the text is literally telling us is deal with your anger in a timely way. Don't just let it... Don't just let it simmer and simmer and simmer. That's something I have to work at. Okay? And then number three, God wants to get to rid our lives of every kind of anger. And there are a lot of different kinds. Okay? There's bitterness. There is rage. There is, uh, there is uh, sometimes there is what we might call disappointment. But really at the root of it, there is an anger. Okay? But we need to get rid of all of that kind of anger. Paul also speaks here about prayer. He speaks to us. He says, he says this. He says, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting holy hands without anger or disputing. So he wants us to pray. He, it would, in Ephesians, again, I went back to Ephesians. In Ephesians six eighteen. see, Paul talks to them about their anger. But then he talks to them about putting on the armor of God. And he talks to them about prayer. And he says this. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With, with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So let me say this quickly, and then I'm going to, I apologize. I'm starting to take over, okay? Okay. Well, I, this is supposed to not be a sermon, okay? It was supposed to be a conversation, and I'm not conversing. Okay, so five things about prayer. First of all, God wants to pray spirit, Spirit-led prayers. Okay, he says, pray in the spirit, spirit led prayer. So spirit led prayer. Basically, he wants us to pray uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to pray in a way that's consistent with the Holy Spirit's desire for our lives. So how do you do that? Real quick answer. Real simple. I do it every day. Pray scripture. I pray scripture almost every day. I won't say every day, but almost every day, like either I'm praying the Lord's prayer but I'm pausing at every line and filling in the blanks. But I am praying that. I am praying Scripture into my life. God, help me to get rid of every kind of anger. Help me, God, to pray always in the Spirit. So God wants us to pray Spirit-led prayers. Secondly, He wants us to pray continually, not occasionally. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions means simply this. With every opportunity and every season and at all times. Or, another word, continually. God wants us to pray continually. Number three, God wants us to be alert in prayer. The scripture says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Be alert in prayer. Be ready. Be watchful. Interesting. I was just reading the other day in the Gospels. Jesus was getting ready to be betrayed and go to the cross. And he goes to pray and he invites his disciples with him. And he says, I want you to stay here. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to pray. But I want you to watch with me and pray. And he came back and they were asleep. 
And, 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 and what God wants us to do is he wants us to be watchful, ready, attentive, and vigilant in prayer. Um, he, he wants us, uh, Jesus said this, uh, he says, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. We need to be vigilant in prayer. Number four, God wants us to persevere in prayer. He says, with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying. That means to persevere. That means to be persistent. That means to be tenacious, obstinate, determined, tireless, and steadfast. And finally, God wants to pray for others. So, uh, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, there's something that I am really, really good at. This is a gift, a talent I have. I excel at this. Uh, you know, if, if this was a weightlifting competition, I could beat Josh Tenney, okay? Uh, but there's something I'm really, really good at. It's called being self-absorbed. I'm really good at that. Now, I'm sure nobody else here struggles with that. I'm alone in this. But, but, but sometimes, sometimes it's really good for us to be thinking about other people and to be thinking more about others and praying more for others. And when I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for myself with others in mind. God, help me to love joy as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Help me, God, to pray joy sacrificially, putting her first in all things. To pray uh, for others. God, help me to love and serve the people of this church, putting them first in Jesus. Uh, Praying for other people and not just for myself. And when praying about myself, praying for myself with other people in mind, how they experience me. Are they experiencing love? Are they experiencing patience? Are they experiencing kindness? Uh, But praying for others. And uh, so uh, God wants us as men Rather than shaking angry fists at others, he wants us to pray lifting holy hands to God. So uh, the other part of this is that uh, Paul here also speaks to women. And so what I'm going to do is, Joy, you have some fantastic thoughts here. Uh, I I don't have, um, Carolyn, you had some really good thoughts too when we met last week. So I'd like you to, I'm going to kind of hand it off to, to, to Joy and then Carolyn Wherever it feels good to insert yourself, <laughs> Joy's a lot more good at letting people insert themselves than I am, <laughs> so feel free to do that. And uh, and I really want to hear your story at the end. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, uh, here we go. So, ladies, um, the next two verses are really uh, focused in on the women. So I want to read those verses again, and let's dive in and share some thoughts. So 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Okay, so those two verses, let's just kind of talk about it and break it down. So my first thought about this passage is, ladies, uh, how we dress, it really matters. It matters how we dress. We should keep our body a mystery to the world and a gift to our husband. 
So when we keep our body a mystery to the world around us, but as a gift to our husband, that's what God wants. So, you know, let's cover what needs to be covered, but still look nice. It is possible. (laughs) It really is. So, and the truth is, is ladies, for us, this uh, shopping can be a challenge um, when you're shopping uh, for clothes. So last weekend, Faith and I went to Ross, and I've been looking for a new blouse, and I found one I super liked, but it it was too low. And so the truth is, is when we shop, we have to think, okay, is this, is it modest? Is it decent? And for me, I do like, I call it the worship test. It's like, can I put my hands up and it's still modest? <laughs> so do the worship test. Can you put your hands in the air and everything is still covered? <laughs> um, you know, do the worship test. And the truth is, is if there's a question, just keep shopping. You know, if you're like, oh, maybe, you know, just err on the side of, being modest and and being decent in the way we dress. And because the truth is, is as followers of Jesus, ladies, we want to be a light for Jesus. We don't want to be a spotlight to our body. Okay? The world says spotlight your body, but Jesus wants us to be a light for him. And there's a difference in what that looks like. So my second thought about that is our primary focus for our beauty should be our inward character and not our outward appearance. So the world says it's all about our outward appearance. That's what the world says. It's all about how you look on the outside. But God says the beauty starts with our inward character. That's where beauty starts, on the inside. And I want to read a passage for you. It's 1 Samuel 16, 7. And... This is what God looks at. So Samuel was picking the next king of Israel. God said, I'll pick the one I tell you. So Samuel sees the oldest son of Jesse. He knew it was going to be one of Jesse's sons. The oldest son was tall, dark, and handsome. He was the oldest. He knew he was going to be the one God was going to pick, right? This is how God responds to Samuel. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. Or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at the heart. That's what God is looking at. He's looking at our heart. So, as an illustration, okay, I have two cups here. One cup is really fancy and beautiful, it's a porcelain teacup, it's from England. And it is beautiful, and it's fun to touch because it's super, it's porcelain, and it's very beautiful. My second cup, this is a white cup. It's, it's kind of plain. It's our everyday wear at home. I got it from Target. We use it every day. It's clean. I love white and clean. So these are my two cups. If you are going to drink from a cup, what's the most important part about the cup? Think about that. So, Jen, can I ask you to help me with something? So, Jen, I want you to come up here and look in both cups, and I want you to tell me of these two cups, either this fancy cup or this cup, which cup do you want to drink from? And I want you to come up and just look in and then tell us which cup you'd want to drink from. Here, I'll put my nose (laughs) under here so I don't infect you. Oh, wow. 
wanted this cup because I like a lot of coffee. Okay. Um, but this one for sure. Okay, so so look on the inside. Which one? This one is clean, just like Joy said. This one's got it's either dirt or coffee grounds inside. So not only is it small, it's dirty. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Okay. Okay. And you see on the inside. So the truth is, is even though this looks really good on the outside, it's dirty on the inside. And this one looks kind of, it may look kind of plain, but on the inside, it's clean and pure. And the truth is, is which cup do we want to drink from? It doesn't really matter how fancy it is on the outside. It just matters that it's clean on the inside. And ladies, for us, what God looks at is that inward character. When you are beautiful on the inside, you're beautiful on the outside. He wants you to focus first on that inside character and your heart. And another verse, Proverbs 31:30 says, "Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." What does it mean to fear the Lord? Are you in awe of the God of the universe? He is amazing. That is how, that's the first step to wisdom, and it's the first step to being beautiful, is to be in awe of the God who made you. And next verse, 1 Peter 3, 3 to 6. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what's right and you do not give way to fear. Again, focusing on that inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay, um... Next point, and then I I really want you to share your thoughts here, Carolyn. So the next thought, look to God for your beauty standards and not the world. So this passage that we read today says, you know, don't have elaborate hairstyles, gold jewelry, fine clothes. Well, you know, I'm definitely wearing gold jewelry. So what does that passage mean? So in Ephesus, that's the context that this was written in, they had temple prostitutes who were known to be dressed like this. So in the culture, we always have to read the Bible in the context that it was written. Think about the context. So what was happening is the women of the church, they started kind of liking the way they the, the they were looking. These temple prostitutes like, "Ooh, I'm going to wear my hair like that and I'm going to wear jewelry like that and kind of it's more about their outward appearance and, "Ooh, I've got the money, I can afford this." And it was it was seeping in the church. Because they were looking to these worldly examples on what they thought beauty was. So, ladies, we got to be careful. Because there are examples out there that are not godly examples. And we definitely want, I mean, think of a godly woman you respect. How does she dress? And I think of my mother-in-law, Gladys. She's 85 years old. She is so beautiful because she fears the Lord. She is so kind to people. She prays for you, and she trusts God. You know, she found out yesterday, Angie has COVID. And you know what she told me when she called me at Target 
when I was at Target telling me that Angie was tested positive, she said, God is in control. There is nothing he can't do. He's going to bring good from this. She was speaking the truth of God's word because that's what's in her. Not because she's supposed to, but because she is a woman who fears the Lord. And it was, it was amazing. Um, so, Carolyn, I wanted you to share some thoughts about this. Um, thinking about, you know, the world standards and God's standards and some thoughts about that. Sure. So um, I'll just tell you a little bit. It's real brief, just about my story. So we've been looking over these passages for a couple weeks, and actually when we get into the part next week, that's kind of my focus. So I've kind of been really um, spending my time there. But as we were talking about these particular scriptures, um, Gary Joy and I were just kind of, hanging out and having a conversation about it, you know, it kind of just brought up, you know, remembering, you know, stories. And so, you know, what, what does God says? He says, I want women to dress um, modestly with decency and propriety. So he tells us right off the bat how we're to, to dress. So here's my story. So when I was, when I was in my twenties, I was, um, I'd gone through um, kind of a, well, a hard, a hard situation, um, a, a hard breakup, and um, through that, um, I felt a little less than, and I felt very unnoticed. So, to make myself feel better, I would, I liked to go buy clothes and dress up. So, what I will tell you is this: is my skirts were pretty short. They were pretty short um, because it made me feel good at the time, and so. At the time, I, w- I was a Christian, um, learning a lot about God's Word. So I was a student of God's Word. And here I was studying God's Word and growing in my faith, but yet I don't think I would really had studied this part. And it was just, you know, struggling with how I was feeling about myself. So just preparing myself that I'd feel a little, little better about myself, maybe wanting a little attention if I was being totally honest. Um, and, as I, and, I, and at the time, I was rationalizing, oh, you know, it's fine um, because it makes me feel good. So um, I had a person tell me, and no names mentioned, but at the time I was really learning to study God's word. And one of the people that I listened to a lot was a, uh, a Bible teacher. Her name was Kay Arthur. Um, she would be kind of compared to maybe like Priscilla Shira today or um, or Beth Moore or Christine Kane. But um, I really was being taught through um, a Bible study that she did how to study God's word. And this person just simply said to me, she, he, you know, the, just said, you know, would Kay Arthur wear what you're wearing? And I was like, and it wasn't in a, it wasn't in a demeaning way. It wasn't in a rude way. It was just an honest question. And it really got me right here. And I'm like, oh my goodness, no. And it was just a turning point for me as Joy mentioned earlier, to be able to look up to a godly woman who you really admire their walk and who they are in Christ, those were the words that God used and I really needed to hear. And it kind of just changed for me at that moment because in reality, um, it really kind of brought it all home in the fact that it's not about my outside. It's about my inside. And if I'm um, dressing for the attraction or for to be seen, those are for the wrong reasons. God cares about what's inside of me. And I can dress really nice and be modest. So something like Joy said is too low, 
throw a tank top under it. <laughs> you know, it works. <laughs> so, I mean, there's ways to do this. There's ways to be, um, to, um, to buy clothes and to be modest and, uh, yeah, and, and, and then look nice as well. So, coming back to the point that God really cares about what's on the inside. I can look really good on the outside, but then be really ugly on the inside. God wants my heart. And then when God got a hold of my heart like that, and I had that revelation, and I had that understanding, it changed the way I see things. And here's reality. Our girls, moms out there, our girls today are living in a world where um, they get a lot of um, social media and a lot of advertising thrown at them about how they are to be or what looks good or what looks cool or how to be beautiful. And majority of it does not line up with the word of God. And so as moms to be an example for our girls as well, because they're going to look to their mom. I mean, um, Gary and Joy, they still look at Gladys as that example. So um, not only in, in how we're raising our children, but just knowing what they're, what they're dealt with, what's coming at them all the time, um, and then to speak the truth of God's word to them. Because God clearly says, I want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. It's God's word. That's what he says. Because it really is about the heart. And um, the last thing that I had I had just kind of wrote down here was um, just reality. Um, and, it, and when he says... Uh, he says, you know, not with gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds um, and how we dress. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, getting up in the morning, it takes a little time to get ready. Matt can get up, shower, and be out the door in 10 minutes. That is, that is right? Right? I, I'm always amazed at that. And, and 10 minutes, I'm just still trying to pry my eyes open, you know, and you, you wash my face or whatever. But uh, it takes me a little longer. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to get up and spend time and do your hair and put on some makeup and wear some clothes. But if we spent all our time on that and no time being in God's word, um, again, we're focusing on the outside. So instead of getting up and hopping in the shower, maybe it's we get up and we open our Bible. And we allow God just to speak to our heart. Um, and we spend time with him you know, in that secret place. Praying, sometimes it may just be sitting and just listening for him, turning on the worship. God, allow God to just, um, you know, speak directly to our hearts and then go ahead and get, you know, get ready. So just, you know, a plug of how I, it's important for me because there's mornings like if I don't sleep well the night before, where I just have to jump up, get ready, go to work and not have time in God's word. My day's different. It just is. So starting with clothing my heart, if you would say, with his word, um, and then and then getting ready. So that's just, you know, as we were talking about these passages, that's just a little bit of, of my story. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. Um, I want to reiterate that because a couple of times, you know, where it says, you know, about what you wear and gold jewelry, it's not saying that those things in itself are wrong. Um, you know, my belief is if the barn needs painting, paint it. So I love wearing a little bit of makeup because it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. So ladies, it's okay to wear makeup and take care of yourself. And we should do that. 
um, we should definitely do that. But if that's our primary focus, then that's where we kind of get off kilter. So um, last thought about this passage is um, where it says, uh, adorn yourselves not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, and expensive clothes, but with good deeds. So my last thought is be beautiful by doing good deeds that honor God. And because of time, I'm just going to wrap this up. Ladies, if you want to be beautiful, be kind. Be kind. Be kind to people. Be kind to your husband. Be kind to your children. Be kind to your neighbor. Be kind to the people around you. Be kind in traffic. Be kind when you go to Target. Be kind when you go to the grocery store and there's a long line and they get it wrong. Be kind. Be gracious. If you're kind, you're beautiful. Be kind. I'm going to end with that. All right. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, that's... That is a pretty good. Uh, that is a pretty good way to end, and I believe that everything that was said there was spot on. Um, I'd like to to close. I'm going to pray. Lead us in prayer. So Matt, go ahead. Come on back up, please. Uh, I'm going to close with prayer. Tweet, you can go ahead and and move towards your. But I don't know whatever it is you have to move towards as you lead us in worship. But let me. Uh, I just want to, I want to close with a word of prayer. But before I do that, I want to read the same text of Scripture to you again. Okay? Because it's the Word of God that we want to communicate and not just our words about the Word of God. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to read for you a, a different translation of this text. Uh, it's, a, it's a translation by uh, Eugene Peterson, who was uh, a Greek scholar. Uh, he's with the Lord now, but he is a Greek, he's a Greek scholar, Hebrew scholar, uh, uh, studied Aramaic as well. And, uh, but he had, he had put together his own little translation of the scriptures that some of you may have heard of before. It's called The Message. But I really like the way he translated this. He, he kind of wanted to take these very ancient ideas and put it into uh, modern-day speech, the way we think, the way we think today. And, and kind of poetically, but well said. He says this. He says, since prayer is at the bottom of all of this, all these things, what I want mostly for men, uh, it, what I mostly, what I want mostly is for men to pray, not shaking angry fisted enemies, but raising holy hands to God. And wh- I want women to get in there with the men in humility before God, not primping before a mirror or chasing the latest fashions, but doing something beautiful for God and become beautiful in doing it. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, today we want to honor you in all things. And uh, God, I know that um, uh, that that I'm, I'm not the only person who deals with anger. It's common human emotion. But we want to honor you, and we want to be able to work through our anger in a way that's healthy and holy uh, and, and promptly. Uh, Lord, we want to, our men, I know, we want to be men of prayer. We want to be men who can lift holy hands to you in prayer. God, for our women, I know that they want to clothe themselves modestly with good works, with, with kindness like what Joy was praying about. And we want to do this for the honor, the glory of your name. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.